up again But it's the only way you're ever gonna learn You look back and it's all in the past I'm dwelling on the thoughts I cannot see Oh, morning lads Morning <laughs> oh, Welcome oh. to NUFC Matters With the living dead and Sunday morning club. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, a late night was held by the two lads who were together united um, for the dear show. And uh, yeah, I had a late night as well watching the boxing, uh, which was, yeah, it, it went as uh, I think most people probably expected it to do. I think we all held a hope that Joshua would probably win, but nah, no chance. Usyk's too good a fighter. But anyway, football, Newcastle United uh, and Newcastle versus Manchester City today. Um, a true test, I guess, of, of where this current squad is at at this moment in time um, and, a, and a big opportunity for Newcastle maybe to, to set a marker as well. I think let's not look on the negative, let's look on the positive. We could, uh, we could actually get something out of this. So, Mitch, we talked on um, Friday night show about the game. You rolled the dice. We, you know, we got 1-1 one, one out of the dice and I think we're all, I don't know, I think we, we all feel rather confident that we could get something out of this. If, if, if he picks the right team, if it's the right atmosphere, if the crowd are up for it, we'll just feel there could be something in this game, don't we? I know. Only times we got, got our backside handed to last season was with Man City and that away game at Spurs under Howe. And both of those times, you could ask questions about the team he selected and ask questions about the formation he started with. Um, and by the time he tried to put it right, the game was gone. In both occasions, um, so I think it's it's how we set up and how we start. But I think we've really genuinely got to look at this as a free hit. It's a great yardstick to measure exactly where we're at at the moment. I think we all know we need a, need need something extra up front. We need a, a little bit of X factor in there in certain positions. Um, but our energy and our work rate means that we're always going to be combative. Even Guardiola's talking about. I haven't to work hard to win the second phase balls against Newcastle United, and it's a long time since I remember us being like that. So that gives us a punch's chance to use a boxing analogy. You know, we're going there, uh, not favourites necessarily, but we're going there to at least compete. And I think that's that's what we want to see. And and why not? Let's let's be positive about it. We're at home. It's early in the season. It's usually the best time to catch some of the better teams. Well, they're still knocking a bit of the rust off. Let's just give it a go and see what happens. Stu, it's a it, it's a great opportunity just to you know to see where we're at at the moment. You know, we know we need other players in. We'll come to that, I'm sure, throughout the next hour. But yeah, it's just a great opportunity, isn't it? And and these games do often throw up strange results. Man City have been a bit of a bogey team, especially down at their ground. But you know, even Steve Bruce has managed to get something out of Man City in his term at Newcastle. Yeah, but isn't it nice? We're talking about how we possibly can compete rather than the exact opposite. So it does show how we've progressed over the last 10 months. The The thing is, can we get a result today? Yes, of course we can. It'll, but it'll be dependent on all of us being very good and some of them having off days, which is, again, possible. But it'll be a great measure on uh, how far we've come, but also how far we've got to go. And uh, in, in no way are we saying that we're equals to Manchester City. And that'll be probably three years of three or four years away with uh, some good windows but we can compete and, the, and I'm sure the crowd will be up for it and we won't be short on the work ethic the efforts 
Um, and, and challenging properly, as long as they keep their heads and stick to the game plan, it, it's, it's more than plausible that we can get a good result today. Okay, Mitch, your your take on, on what how Eddie Howe is going to set up? I mean, we've we you know we looked at this and you know obviously we know that Matt Target was injured last week. Um, potential fitness test this morning could see him you know available for selection. Is Eddie Howe? Sorry, keep- sorry, Stephen. My wife just looked at me when I've said all that, and it sounded far too sensible to how I looked and spoke about ten <laughs> minutes ago. <laughs> Where did all that come from? <laughs> Brilliant, brilliant. Yeah, formation, Mitch. How how is he going to set up? Is he going to bring Target back in if he's fit, or is he going to leave it as it is? Well, it depends on again what we're going to do with the SM, because it it, it, it the game at City, he was really not at the races and didn't track back and didn't help Target out. Um, I've seen it suggested he might even slate Target in for ESM and work with a back three with wing backs. Um, for me, not my favourite system, personally. I think we work better when we're set up with the double pivot in midfield and the high press. So if Target is fit, I think... Has Byrne done anything wrong to get dropped? Well, no, he looked all right against Brighton. And people have got to remember, people who were panicking about him playing at left-back, he actually played the majority of his games for Brighton in the Premier League at left full-back or left wing-back, so he can do the job there, that's not a problem. Uh, and what keeping him at left-back does for me, the, the, the height options, it set pieces, which is one place where we may be able to, to, to nick something off Man City. So I, I think if, if Target does come back in, I think that it might be to accommodate a change of formation. I don't necessarily see him coming straight back in just to replace Dan Byrne leg for leg. Formation for you, Mitch, today. What, what do you reckon Eddie Howe's looking at? It's not my favourite formation, but I just have a have a finish, uh, have a feeling that we're going to see him go to wing backs. Okay, Stu, your take? I, I think you'll stay four three three because that's his, the method he wants. If you look at the games that Mitch referred to just before, that's when he changed the system, and we've got Arsenal uh, on it, didn't we? Mm. So I think he needs to go four three three. This is how he wants to play it, and it'll be trying to match Manchester City up and then that's when you can measure how far we need to go and how far we have come and we go same system as them uh, regarding the left back situation normally I would say target goes straight back in it's the square pegs uh, scenario but we know that Eddie Howe is very loyal uh, I believe Botman has to start today I think physically he's the one that could match Holland or Holland sorry and you know, he's, he's got the mobility as well, where uh, you could see him getting one over and Dan Byrne if he was at centre-half, they'd turn him quicker, and I think he'd be too physical for sure. So uh, I think Botman would be ideal to be man-marking him and have Shaw as more of a, of a sweeper role, spare role to cover. And that's the way I would do it. I think 4-3-3, we need to go as we are and what the players know and trust. And, and let's see what, what we get at the end of the day from it. Mitch, I mean, I watched on social media, um, Adam P, uh, another YouTuber who, uh, you know, follows Newcastle United, uh, does does a lot of work. He was at the Helios, um, you know, launch in, in the Metro Centre, I think it was, in, in the North East yesterday. And I'm just wondering what Eddie Howe and the rest of the players may think about a player going out and making such a public appearance the day before a big game. I mean, I know that he's in his own time. 
But, you know, is, is that, you know, I, I, I can remember players back in the back in the late 80s, you know, going out on a Friday night, walking down the quayside mm. and coming into your number nine, coming out of the similar at two o'clock in the morning, he would still bang two goals in, you know, the following day. Um, but, uh, you know, is that the case? Is that the case with the SM? He's not out on the drink. I know he's, he's, he's going out, he's promoting a product, but I just... I don't know. I, I'm just wondering if that's the kind of thing that would go down well with Eddie Howe. Should he not be at home, feet up, relaxing and focusing on the game rather than going out and promoting a brand? It's not the first time he's done it either. He had a deviation here in Dubai to do a Helios launch here when they were doing the training camp in the Saudi. So instead of coming back with everybody else, he stopped off in Dubai, did a bit of work here for his own little project and on, on he went. Um, look, we've discussed him at length and sometimes taking criticism for discussing them at length. But these are the kind of things that keep popping up. And the question with somebody like him, he has the mercurial, mercurial uh, talent to win any game on his own, but he needs to be doing it more than one and eight. Um, and is this a welcome distraction? Is, is this something that he likes to do, which actually then helps him focus and be freer in the football? Um... But how much then is Eddie Howe and the squad prepared to tolerate if this is perceived as too much of a distraction? And that's one of the big questions. And it does seem um, at odds with the general work ethic of the squad that we're seeing, you know, with everybody else. And is he being marginalised or is he marginalising himself? I don't know. Um, as I've said before, he's a player who I suspect is high, high maintenance. Needs to be told constantly how wonderful he is. Needs his tummy tickled. Needs to be allowed to do these things away from the game uh, whenever he fancies. But, you know, um, there'll come a time where that's too much of a distraction, I would imagine. And I don't know where, where that, that sits with the long-term vision that everybody has for the club. Yeah, I mean, ASM will always split fans' opinions, uh, Stu. And, and, you know, from our perspective, you know, we have discussed him a lot. Mitch is right on, on this channel. Um, criticised him when he's needed criticism, praised him when he's needed to be praised. And, uh, yeah, Roger makes the point. He's not on the drink. I said that earlier. But, you know, he is out, you know, in his own time as well. But, you know, almost being like the Pied Piper and, you know, giving kids stuff. It's, it's generous. He is that kind of person. He handed a Rolex out outside the ground, I think it was, the other week outside after the, after the game. These, these like, grand gestures, etc. I mean, you know, the, again, kind of criticise the kid for it. It's just, I just wonder what kind of message it sends, like, to... You know, to, you know, to the management, to the owners, to the to the other players in that dressing room. I'm not sure whether this is the kind of thing which almost divides them. I don't, I don't know. It, it makes them different. And one would, you know, if you if you put another hat on, you could say, well, is he trying to be different? Is he trying to win favour of the fans in in what could be, you know, a, a big issue for him about to come to the forefront? You know, maybe he's a, maybe a transfer could be in the in the offing. Maybe he could leave and, you know, maybe he's trying to, to win the fans over before he goes. I, I just don't know. I'm, that's all just theoretical, hypothetical. I just, what, what's your views on that? Well, I think I've made my views on his application on the pitch quite clear in many shows over the last uh, couple of years. But uh, as for yesterday, uh, I, personally, I don't see that much wrong with it at all. You know, he's 
he's he's very media savvy, put it that way, and he's got a very good social media team. And, and it, it's quite clear by, you know, this Santa Claus act by gifting things and that. And you can't criticise someone for being generous, but at the same time, it's it's done in the public. It's not in the public domain. It's not done privately and things like that. I'm sure there's many players that donate things and help people without having a crew about it. But uh, that's that's the makeup of the man, you know, and, and he, he thrives on the attention and... And the biggest criticism I can give, and I think most fans can give, is we want him to be getting the attention on the pitch for the right reasons. The the, the fact that he's he's in the Metro Centre the day before it wasn't like late last night. I think it was yesterday afternoon, wasn't it? Yeah. But still twenty four hours or so to, to get back and relax and, and stuff like that. So personally, I mean, it's 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 easier to criticise as hard to praise. But I mean, you don't need praise for going promote your own project that you're going to make money from. But the the fact that He's, I, I mentioned on last week's show that Tottenham had made a bid for him uh, and then he didn't want to leave. And again, this is him uh, gaining support from the fan base. You know, and uh, the popularity is obviously important to him. But you'll get proper popularity and proper legendary status if he consistently produces what we all know he's capable of on the pitch. Uh, and that's where he should be making the waves, you know, and, and winning people over. But... Yeah, promoting his own thing at like 24 hours before the game. Like I say, it was an afternoon before, so it, that that's not too bad. He's done far worse in his past, but he will be one of those that will constantly try and push the boundaries, you know, and test how far he can go. You know, and uh, no, no other player has done that yesterday, but at the same time, yeah, I think we could make a mountain out of a molehill with it, to be honest. Yeah, no, no, I just thought it was worth bringing up. And um, yeah, it's certainly a lot of people saying, you know, different things in the chat. Not not any generosity, but it was more of G-Shock what she gave to a fan. Yeah, yeah Mitch will know what that is. I've got no idea. Oh, I was going to tell you it was a Rolex. Like. All right. <laughs> it wasn't was a Rolex, it was a Rolex. Dave asks what I made of the fight last night. Um, I enjoyed it. It wasn't a classic. Uh, you know, the commentators were going completely over the top saying this was a great fight. It wasn't a great fight. I thought the coverage was awful. Um, I, I hate this uh, studio to the to, to the ring. I thought the atmosphere was poor, if I'm perfectly honest. The ring was a problem because of the sweat, and I hadn't taken that into consideration. There was it, it showed up in one of the earlier fights. A lot, a lot of sweat on uh, on the canvas meant fighters were slipping, um, and it happened in the main event. Uh, I thought AJ looked focused. Obviously, changed the fact that he came in in white. He came in in black last night. Came in with some words from Custom Auto, Mike Tyson's legendary, um, you know, mentor. And um, for, for, for for vast parts of it, he stifled and and you know tried to to, to frustrate Uzik. But as the as the fight went on, um, Uzik did what he does best. He just you know boxed and moved and 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 kept out of you know kept out of any dangerous shots from AJ. He, he got some good body shots in. He did. He changed his changed his tactic. Um, Uzik was the deserved winner. I had him. Um, I think I had him ahead by about five, four or five rounds by the end of the fight. But honestly, he let himself down afterwards. He needs to apologise. I don't. I, I've watched a bit of the press conference afterwards where he starts crying. Um, he needs to apologise to Uzik again if he hasn't already. He needs to apologise to Ring Magazine and that for for dropping the belts. And he needs to apologise to the people of Saudi Arabia for standing in the ring and swearing. Um, you know, it's unacceptable. It's a bad loser's trait. And and I've I've heard different experts say, look, this is a, you know, this this is you know this is 
hit of the moment, it's a reaction, it's somebody who's lost. Yeah, but you know, he's won plenty of fights. He's won the, he's won things, and he's had the chance to to revel in that and, and have his moment of glory. And and after everything that Uzik has been through in the ring, um, and outside the ring, defending his country, which is still at war. I think for AJ to come and spoil his moment and to to take the the glory off him was was nothing short of disgusting, really. And he, he just he needs to clear it up. I think he does. And if the if the allegation that I heard last night is correct, that the only reason he went back in the ring is because he was reminded that he would be in breach of contract if he walked out. Um, you know, yeah. If that if that allegation is true, then you know it, it shows the measure of the guy. Um, where did he go from here? I don't know. Big uh, big brother. The, the jungle. Um, I don't see him having any more fights. Uh, maybe I'm a celebrity in the jungle at the end of the year, but I, I just can't see. I can't see him fighting again. I'd be very surprised if he does. Where does he go? And as for Tyson Fury, I mean, you know, he's saying he's going to fight Uzik. We'll, we'll see. I don't think you lads watched it, did you? No, no, no. no. I watched no, the right. first one, and Uzik like properly schooled him, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Uh, and from what I've read about last night, it was pretty much the same. Mm-hmm. I, think, no, and I think what's his name, Joshua, had to come in and be a bit more mobile, yet he put weight on, which was bizarre to me. Yeah, he, really, looked in good, so. he looked in good shape, but Uzik is a machine, and he, he is he has now established himself as a real, you know, as a real legend, and, and you know, yeah. much in the mould of Evander Holyfield, coming up from, from cruiserweight and winning the title at both levels, and the world's his oyster at the minute. Um, we'll wait and see what happens with Tyson Fury. He basically said he'd fight them both on the same night and, and beat both of them. And, you know, <laughs> Gypsy King's the thing, but, thing is, who knows? You probably, in, in informed Tyson Fury, probably that he could. And I think that, yeah. that's the thing for me is this messing on with Joshua Uzik and Joshua Louise, Ruiz, rather, um, is effectively deprived of seeing Tyson Fury do something special. Yeah, uh, because the, the the opportunities to make those fights just never came around, um, and if we, if that fight is then made, is it a prime fury? Well, it won't be, yeah. um, and so it it becomes a little bit of a damp squib really after that, which is un- unfortunate. And I think Uzik's probably because of just Joshua's antics, from what I'm reading isn't really getting the praise he's probably due properly at the minute, which is a shame. Yeah, it was very, it was like a spoiled brat last night. And I just, yeah, I didn't like, I didn't like it. But, you know, this is it. It's the heat of the moment. I can take that to a degree, but he needs to come out and apologise. Be a man, own his, own his mistake and, uh, and move on. Back to football. John Askew got in early with this. Morning, everyone. is concern among the fan base regarding transfers. Understandable. Madison would have been tremendous, but we were never going to get him for the amount reportedly bid, in my opinion. I still think that we will get two or three uh, more through the door. I'm hoping they're good quality. It's a nice change to have a relative battle nowhere near the agenda which I think we'd all agree with and yeah and again we discussed this on Friday um you know we've we'll, we'll talked transfers until we're you know we're until we're red in the face um and and thank the Lord we've only got another two weeks of this and we'll, we'll chip in with Barry Hogan's comment as well Mitch paper linking us with Pedro and saw this morning is this another piece of paper talk uh Barry um yeah Mitch it, it, two weeks time, yeah. two weeks time this is yeah. all going to be over and we can just we can concentrate on the football yeah, right. We'll discuss it on Friday and I made my position clear on what I think and who I think will come through the door. Um, and that still, there's nothing gone on that's changed my opinion of that. I think what we are seeing and what everybody has to remember is that Newcastle United now is a much more close shop than it's been in a long, long time. Mm. 
There is not the kind of levels of rumours coming out and links and insider information coming out from inside the club that there has been, even up to only a few months ago. It's a very different beast and they're doing their transfer business in a very different way. A lot of the stuff you read in the press as if sports maybe could have, might have, there's not a lot of actual fact there. And people are running with it, but, and they're, but then as a fan base, we're dancing now back to the, some of the journalists' tunes. And, and they're setting them up to, be, to have the fingers pointed about the impatient, uh, unreasonable expectations in the fan base, etc., etc., if certain things don't happen during the transfer window. I'm utterly convinced that we will have three through the door. I named the three on Friday night. I've got nothing to change my opinion on that. Um, none of that is based on um, much of the way of, of, of information, but more just my feeling of what they're looking at and the kind of players they want and the kind of deals they're doing and that everything is always going to be finished off in the last two weeks of the window not right at the first. We had a, the right at the start of the window. We had a flurry of activity. The deals that were set up then were done. And this is not just us. It's most of the clubs, if you look. And there's been, there's not a lot of money go around happening. That's going to change in the next two weeks and it's going to accelerate. And we'll be in the mix. Uh, no, Julie, I didn't get the Polo Ralph Lauren memo. Uh, but <laughs> I can see what you mean. Uh, Stu, any, anything changed apart from uh, maybe a bigger hangover than you had on Friday? <laughs> I'm actually feeling a lot better than I thought I would, to be honest. So, ready to <laughs> well go uh, Funny enough, um, <laughs> I just received a message about 30 minutes ago. Um, I can't see who I put. Let's see. That Mitch was last night guesting uh, at one of the finest eateries in Dubai, if not the world, um, from a friend of mine from Saudi Arabia, a client and a friend. And I got a message saying, we are not done with Madison yet. Um, I expect another bid to be made this week. Uh, we know we can get Paqueta when we want. That's how the message read. Mm. So I, I think they're looking at it where... Just as it, as it read, that Piquetta is gettable. And from me reading in between the lines, it seems that Howe's preference would be Madison, who is tried and tested in the Premier League. Uh, and, and that's the sort of player he wants. But if not, then they the, the believe they can pick Piquetta up. And it, it looks like Pedro will be coming. Just uh, maybe he's an extra couple of million on top of the last bid, and that would get that. Uh, and I still think they need a defensive midfielder or an old-fashioned number six as it was and, and I believe uh, Tillemans would be brilliant in that role and, and I would be surprised if we didn't bid for someone like that again so I, I expect at least three to come in and that's if nobody goes out if someone goes out then we need someone to come in and replace that person let's see on the left wing Interesting. Well, let's hope that uh, let's hope that prediction uh, comes true. Uh, Barry Ho, we're going to ask: uh, Have we been just used for, for him to get a new contract? That's I know a lot of people feel like no, that. I, I don't think so. Um, I think in a in a situation like that, uh, we seem to be dealing with quite unusual valuations on players at the minute, and and I don't think anybody knows what the correct valuation on somebody is, and of course buying clubs are going to want to 
offer lower and selling clothes are going to want more. That's the nature of the beast. That's why people like Stu are involved in negotiations all the time. That's as simple as that. Not for the players, um, by the way, just as a profession. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you should be, though, mate. I tell you, you, you literally yeah. do sell sand to the Arabs sometimes. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, um, I think... It's difficult to know what a fair and a right valuation is, but then also, as we said about agents being in the mix here, if an agent sees an opportunity to try and get his client a better contract out of a situation like that, of course they're going to do it. In fact, they're not doing their job if they're not doing something like that, probably. So it's going to happen. We're not being used per se. We are clearly being used by certain teams, certain agents abroad. as the big bad money man in the back. Oh, well, you can't make come in for them mind. Let's get this deal done, and uh, that's going to happen a lot now. And so what? And it's still good to be having these conversations about which players we may be getting in, not thinking, well, which of our star players are we going to lose? Because that's historically what most of the transfer windows have been about. And so, um, see, I've got a new name there as well. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, I think it's it, it's it's. It's not being used as such. It's just every agency is an opportunity, or they should. Yeah, of course they do, Stu, don't they? And I mean, it's um, you know, from from our perspective, I, I, it, I think I would like Pedro. I've got to be honest. I watch I watch Pedro. I've seen a bit of Ramos now, and I, I prefer Pedro. And if, if if one of these midfielders comes up, Paqueta or Madison, I think you know it's a great window. And we're, yeah. we're just waiting. We're just waiting. It's, we're just we've just got to learn to be patient, which is what we've tried to preach all the way through this transfer window. Yeah, there's a lot of clubs. It's, it's like the start of a of a race, isn't it? Everyone's jostling for position, and and you know, once once it goes, it'll have a domino effect because everyone's waiting. The one thing I think that we could be guilty of is uh, possibly thinking that we're victimised and that we've got this Newcastle tax, and that's why every time they've asked for a price, which the some teams may quote it as what they think is a realistic price. We could be guilty of actually thinking, right? They've off, they've overcharged us straight away because we're in Newcastle, so we'll offer less, you know. And, and I think that's happened some negotiations. That's just my opinion. Um, and if we talk about Madison in today's market, he's worth sixty million, and that's it. And how how they put it across? You have to remember that Leicester are the selling club, and it's their decision where the buying club. We've got to entice them to enough to release them, uh, and at least let us get them. So. If it means more money up front, uh, if it means paying it over a quicker period of time, if it means throwing in a goalkeeper, if it means waving off debt, whatever it takes, I'm sure I'm sure they're doing it to get it. And like I say, I can only tell you the message, and Mitch knows exactly who that comes from because he was sitting with them last night. Uh, and he knows who he knows. So uh, that's... And, and that's, what a generous and lovely guy he is, by the way, I mean, last night was just ridiculous. Yeah, uh, that was that was just fantastic. Well, that, that's what he is. But the, the he's, he's I won't give his name away. It's not fair. But the the, the guy's a, a Saudi billionaire, and he's very well connected, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And and that's that's where the message has come from. So whether he, he's got no reason to say that, he's he's honest as the day is long, and that's what he's hearing. And the name that he's heard it from. I got corrected on how I pronounced it last night, didn't I, Mitch? Oh, yes, that name, yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll tell you off, off record so I don't get skitted and abused and told them talking rubbish, et cetera, et cetera. 
Yeah, we, we, just, we get that every week, mate. We get I, that every week. So I, I just, just think it's funny, though. People say, what, do you, what have you heard? So this is what I've heard. And if it's right or wrong, I don't know. It's not me saying that. You know, it's not a make-up. It's just passing information, which is <clears throat> which is all part of it. But getting back to the, the main thing there was uh, we could be guilty of thinking that people are trying to rip us off when some clubs really do need the money. And it's their right to ask for as much as they can get. Uh, then it can be a case of who blinks first. And at the moment, we're in a staring competition with a few clubs, aren't we? You know, whether that be with Leicester, whether that be with Lyon, whether that be with Watford, you know, there's, there's players there or there's roles in the team that are clearly identified where Eddie Howe wants to improve. And I'm glad they're not just going to go and throw the checkbook at anyone. You know, they've, they've certainly identified the positions and a short list of players. Uh, and they'll do their utmost to get them. So that's when we'll see movement. And I still think we will break the transfer record before the window closes. Yeah, you've been uh, 100% positive and you've always been very, very confident that that would happen. So, uh, you know, I've, I've got no doubt in that, lads. I, I think, yeah, I think you could be right. Big thank you to Skips and Bins, our sponsor. Telephone 0800 2545 2543. Email inquiries at skipsandbins.com. Website com. Easy contract free and pay as you go waste collection. Thanks to Darren Baldwin Funerals, independent funeral directors. You can find them at 304 Old Durham Road, Gateshead. Or telephone 0191 478 2730. Website darrenbaldwinfunerals.co.uk. Thanks to Garden of Healing Dispensary, CBD hemp and cannabinoid specialists, www.thegohd.com. And thanks to Mr. Vicky's Sources, handmade in Cumbria. You can find them at www.mrvickies.co.uk or call them for an order at 01768-210102. Away dear clothing, thanks to you guys and thanks to Media Arts for all your help with the video side of things. And thanks to qtechshop.co.uk, the makers of pool tables and snooker tables in Wales and Newcastle. And the guys who run our website, nufcmatters.com. If you want to subscribe to the channel, hit the NUFC Matters logo in the bottom right-hand corner. You can subscribe for free. Hit the thumb up to like the video, click share to share to your social media, and drop into the comments to speak to like-minded Newcastle fans or to post a question. We're also available as a podcast on iTunes and Spotify. Goes up 24 hours after the YouTube show. If you want to help us a little bit by putting a little bit of cash in, then you can hit the join button or make a super sticker donation in the chat. And you can also uh, join the cult by going to nufcmatters.com and hitting membership. Uh, you can pay a one-off fee, get a cup, a pen, a scarf, and a membership card and entry into the monthly draw. And I think there's one of those due very soon. And you can also, if you've got a smartphone, use the QR code. It will take you straight there. If you're a subscriber, you can get a free car sticker. As well, just email john at nufcmatters.com to claim that. Don't forget the food bank will be outside the ground opposite Shearer's bar today. If you've got any donations or just want to make a cash donation, pop over and see Steve Hasty and the lads and lasses. Or you can make a virtual donation at nufcfansfoodbank.co.uk, uh, which is available 365 days of the year. Peter Beardsley Soccer School has been doing well. Even managed to unearth a, a new legend in John Justice Allen from QTech. Uh, this summer. Uh, but if you want information, uh, then Peter Beersleysoccerschool.com is the place to go uh, to find out how you can get your young'uns booked onto the course. And don't forget, Supermac is at the Dog and Parrot today, free entry. Uh, Supermac will be there at about 2.30 and he'll be there at 7 o'clock after the game. Always well worth popping in to see him. Tomorrow night, not a live show, uh, but George Mitchell, uh, Neil's dad, 
Uh, we'll be back tomorrow with another episode of Those Were The Days. It's a pre-recorded show, but it will be on at the usual time of six o'clock. So you need to go on there and set a reminder tonight. Always good to have George on and have a big crack about the good old days. Um, okay, I just want to talk a little bit about um, the football banning orders. And this comes because Mitch has mentioned a couple of times on, on the Amigos and on Wednesday night show that we do um, about the cocaine culture in football. And, and the government have, have acted um, uh, over the last few weeks, Mitch. Uh, new legislation's come in and uh, the football banning orders now have been beefed up a little bit. Um, class A drugs have now been targeted, which is something you've mentioned on more than one occasion on, on the show. Uh, people who invade the pitch um, and people who are convicted uh, of racist um, you know, comments on social media. So online racism um, in connection to football. So uh, from our perspective, you know, we've, we've talked about this for a while, but it seems as if Pretty Patel and the government are now trying to take some action on this. And Football banning orders, for those people who don't know, uh, can uh, mean that you could be banned from football games for a period of 10 years, uh, both domestically and abroad, and often have to surrender your passport and report to police stations as part of the order. So, Mitch, it's, uh, it's, a, bit of, it's a bit of movement on this. Yeah, and, and, and you can see what they're trying to do, actually. Um, I think we've had, in the last couple of years, through a combination of COVID and the number of different pressures that uh, there's been some behaviours at football games and uh, that are, are certainly way past unacceptable. Sorry, way past acceptable. And 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 they've got to try and find ways to actually do something meaningful in terms of, well, if you get caught doing X, well, this is what's going to happen. Um, I think the challenge for me still is, though, Whenever there seems to be a problem in society, football fans, us, we get the blame. For everything, really. Well, you do anyway, Steve. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, um, you know, but we do, and and it's it's quite un- unusual that we still have stuff ongoing whereby, oh well, that's 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 associated with football. That's a football problem. And it's not, it's a societal problem. I think there's been behaviours in society that have needed brought into line in a number of ways. And one of the other ways is online abuse and something else that we've talked about at length on various shows on various times on this channel as well. And tying that in with football banning orders is very interesting because that then starts to take away the veil of the pseudo-anonymity that some people can have when they're using social media to do something obscene or racist. Um, and extending that to football banning motors is an interesting move. Um, how these things will be absolutely proved, though, it needs the help of the social media platforms, and I don't always know if they're terribly helpful in that respect at times. Um, invasions of the pitch, yes, they've got to do something about that, because some of the things that were happening on the pitches at the, at the end of last season were totally unacceptable. Totally unacceptable. Two incidents, the one in our game and then the one with Crystal Palace. Um, bang out of order. No place in the modern uh, football uh, ground at all. You know, it, it was seen similar at the back in the 80s, which is not where we need to be. Um, and all it was going to take is for somebody to get badly hurt, a manager or a player, um, 
and certainly the incident with Vieira where he then lashes out and if he absolutely clapped at someone where does that end up um, and so these these things are important to bring into line but equally the, the pushback I would still be feeding at the government is it isn't all football's fault because <laughs> that's what it just feels like it just feels like that we are the easiest target in the world to say oh, well, <laughs> say football fans you know you know, we're not in the days of the bloody uh, Saturday special trains and things like that. That's that's long behind. But um, yeah, I think it really is uh, important that certain statements are made in certain situations. But then you, the flip side of it is, is I saw, um, I don't know which ground it was at, where they had two seats covered, where people had been banned for persistent standing. And that's just, it's petty. You know, and, and where do you, where do you, it, it, some of these things are, are stupid, really, and but other, it, lost in that, and the important things is then this feeling that they're just lumping it in all in football fans anyway. Stu, it's uh, it's interesting this. I mean, it's something we've discussed here on, on more than one occasion. Pretty Patel's comments. Uh, she said, I'm determined not to let a small minority ruin matches for true fans as the football season gets underway. We are working closely with police. And the football authorities to tackle anti-social and criminal behaviour. I wholeheartedly support the extra measures. All football bodies and clubs are bringing to keep fans safe. And we're encouraged police in the courts to make full use of football banning order legislation, which we have recently extended our online abuse and will be shortly bringing in to root out the Class A drugs at matches. I just think it's more political spew, isn't it? It's common sense. The, the law has always been there. You can't take drugs at a football game. But you can't take drugs outside of a football game either, you know. So it's, <laughs> let's all let's all just cast cast it, the, the stones into the football, and because you know what, with sometimes uh, football fans, well, especially back in the day in the eighties, nineties, they, they had a really bad reputation. But I believe football fans are very good at um, policing their own environment. Mm. You know, if someone is being out of order, then you tend to find fans will say it to other fans. And that might just be Newcastle fans. Uh, you know, I don't sit with other fans often, so I, I can't speak on their behalf. But we t- we tend to police it quite well. And is, is there a cocaine culture with support, younger supporters? Probably, but there was ten years ago, twenty years ago, thirty years ago, and it's not exclusive to football. Uh, and this is why it's very easy. Oh, let's put it on football, and it's it's to me, it's just banging the political drum, isn't it? We're doing all, all they've added, in my opinion, is. Anyone who gives racial abuse online will be banned from the match, which I'd like to see how they manage to do that because most of the people given any form of abuse online are always doing it from behind hidden accounts or unnamed accounts. So how, they, how they're going to do that in the first place, and if they're that desperate about it, they should get them banned off social media in the first place and, and stop it. So it, it's what the, what the new regulations, well, the ones that are new, are, on paper, it's great, but to me, it's just uh, box ticks and exercise, uh, box tick and exercise. Sorry, and um, I, I, I can't understand why it, it's. It seems that they want to bring football again, mix sport and politics. There's there's no need for it. You know, if you've got a, a culture, especially if we look at the inner London areas, it's rife there. The gang crimes, the the knifings, etc. You know. It, Get your own house in order and then start coming into sport. You know, and it's, it's very easy. It could be seen as a cheap win. Um, but it's not, in my, in my opinion, I, I think it's, it's just using football to, to get a message across and get Middle England saying, yes, yes, those football people, they're, they're terrible. 
and that's the party political broadcast for Stuart Penman finished for this morning. <laughs> Roger Gansett, the race is the queue for the toilets is longer than the bar. That's <laughs> Yeah, I bet you, Roger. Right. Uh, morning, Mark. No, but do you know what? There, Steve. There's an interesting point there about the races. Um, and I'm I'm going to guarantee you, guarantee you, there's more drug use at racecourses. Hmm? There's more alcohol-related um, uh, fights at racecourses these days. And you see it on video, you see it, you see it here and there. But they don't like to talk about that, and they don't like to talk about the problem there because they're not football fans, and they're perceived to be a different class of people. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry, they're not. They're not, and and they're equally to blame for all of these things that go on. And yet, it's us football fans who get that slap in my face time and time and time again. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Well, it's a good point, well made, and I think a lot of people in the chat are agreeing with us. And there are lots of people going on about social media accounts of no photos of themselves, lads. Yeah, Gary, you're right, Barry. I've seen you making your comment about that as well. Uh, Dan says 100%. I can't remember a ladies' day without someone gurning the lips off. <laughs> I love that phrase. Um, <laughs> moving on, moving on. Uh, good news coming out of the club, uh, which seems to be a frequent thing this day, uh, this season, um, is that uh, the, the Newcastle United's women's team, can I call it the women's team? I don't know. Has completed the relevant formalities to compete as part of the club for the 22-23 season, starting this weekend. They've previously operated uh, independently, but have been supported by Newcastle United Foundation in recent years. So following the recent restructuring Newcastle United has ambitions plans for the Lady Magpies with investment in the first team squad the introduction of a development squad and formal support in place from across across the club led by Becky Langley who now becomes the team's manager on a full-time basis Newcastle United women currently play in the FA Women's National League Division 1 which is the fourth tier of the domestic game uh, the club shareholder said from the outset um, we have stated and demonstrated our wholehearted commitment to the growth of Newcastle United women. The recent success of the Lionesses has added tremendous momentum behind women participation in football everywhere, and we want to create a pathway for all women and girls to enjoy playing the game. We are delighted that Newcastle United women is now formally a part of the Newcastle United family, and we look forward to supporting the team as it goes from strength to strength. So, yeah, good news. Um, about time, lads, I would say, uh, to be perfectly honest, with long, long time on this show again over the last couple of years, we've mentioned how embarrassing it's been for the, the women's team to, to to literally, you know, go begging and scrimping and saving Mitch around the, you know, around the local area, trying to find a butcher, a baker, or a candlestick maker to back them, and then on top of that, having to beg the club almost to be able to use the strips, which at one point yeah, they weren't. Which at one point they weren't allowed to. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and. And 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 is a is a is looking at the women's side of the game, we've got so much catch up to do compared to say our dear friends down the road who've had a far more integrated structure for their ladies team for a long, long time. Um and I think this is the kind of thing that the, the Lionesses win and Euros will give momentum to. To start to have clubs take everything in terms of development of the women's game far more seriously and that's a fantastic departure point that suddenly now um we've, we've, i mean i remember back in the days it was with cows cowgate kestrels was effective uh -huh. in the newcastle team but they weren't allowed to wear black and white stripes and they weren't allowed to call themselves newcastle and just crazy you know and and i, and I think 
finally now we're in a position whereby we can give structure and a pathway for girls who like to play football and want to play football to then come through development and then into a first team and go on from there and then hopefully that'll see them claim the divisions um i mean i know steve hastley knows a lot more about the the, the carving up of the women's game than i do uh, from his foundation contacts and, and the stuff he's done with them you know but when even sunderland got shafted but the super league came around because there was too much self-interest and now everybody's sitting up and taking notice of the women's game and quite right, rightly we should have a development pathway for young ladies who want to then get involved with the game and go forward and wear the black and white shirt with pride like we've always been able to yeah Hugh, you're nodding your head in approval yeah. well as mitch referred to that is they've come a long way since the cowgate kestrels and you know having to raise funds just to have strips and stuff like that it shows to me what PIF and the board are wanting to do, you know, and that's it, encourage uh, the women's football and grow in tandem with the, the men's team, get through those divisions as quickly as possible uh, and just support them to do that. And and I think with the, the couple of astute signings, they should win the league that they're, they're in now. And within a few years, they'll be playing at the top table. And that's, again, from what the owners want. They want anything to be associated with Newcastle to be synonymous with success. And and the ladies are, are a big part of that. And if you look at even at that friendly against Zanuck when there was, what, 22,000 there that, uh, at the end of last season, it shows that there is an appetite for it. Now, don't get us wrong, I'm, I don't think there'll be 22,000 every game, but uh, it shows that there's an appetite, there's an interest, and then with the, the women's team winning the European Championship, Again, that can only be good uh, for, for women's football, not just for next season, but for long term. Because you'll have a lot of young girls. Uh, my mate, uh, Darren Mitch, you know him. His daughter plays football uh, and she's, she's really good at it. But in the past, I mean, I'm going back to like when I was younger, you wouldn't think of a woman playing football or a girl playing football. You know, it wasn't the done thing. Or uh, And now they've been actively encouraged to do it and... The more spotlight is on the women's game, the more sponsorship that goes in, the more attractive it will be as people can make careers from it. Because at the moment, it seems to be only the very top ones that are financially benefiting from it, the top players. But if it continues on the growth path it's going, um, you know, it, it's something that to me should be encouraged. And, and I'm pretty much sure that Newcastle will be fighting out with the Man Cities, the Arsenals, the Chelsea's. And then after that, the Barcelonas and Lyons in, in Europe uh, on, on the women's front. And hopefully we'll be doing the same on the men's front as well. Yeah, fingers crossed uh, that is the case. Uh, quick question from uh, Senk. I want to ask all you guys, if players want to leave definitely and the club keep putting up high demands and overrated prices, how do you resolve this kind of situation? Patience, isn't it, Mitch? Really? Patience. Patience, negotiation. And... Something which a lot of people seem reluctant to do these days really is a final sanction from the player side is to hand a transfer request in. Why they tend not to do it is because that then forfeits a number of bonuses in their contract usually and nobody wants to lose the cash. Um, but it, if you've got a situation where a player wants to leave the club and somebody's coming in close to the valuation that the selling club has on them, there is a patient negotiation and once that clock starts to tick towards the window slamming shut 
don't know why it always slams shut. I don't know why you kind of just close it quietly. But there you go. Um, once that window shuts, the closer you get to that point, that's when the negotiations get a bit more um, heated. And so it, it then comes down to, do we need the, need the cash in on this? Have we got a replacement lined up? Um, and it's, yeah, it's patience. It really is. And that's why we just have to trust this process at the minute still and, and get through the next two weeks. And I'm sure we'll be fine. Yeah, Stu, your thoughts on that? The, I, I said earlier, didn't I? It's the, it's the selling club's right to ask for whatever they deem fit. Now, ultimately, uh, I, you're right what you said there, Mitch. The, the players are now more reluctant for financial loss, their own financial, personal financial loss, to request transfers. But that doesn't mean they can't strongly indicate that they're prepared to leave. And, you know, and that can be done in, in many different ways, can't it? Uh, and even through an agent. And if if what I, the message I received earlier is true, then that tells me that Madison has indicated that he would be open to a move. Uh, and it can't even get to that stage until his club accept what we're offering. And we've then got to offer somewhere near what they're accepting. So, again, it's, it's, it's like the domino effect. You know, you need something to fall for everything else to go into place. But it, it doesn't mean it can't happen. I, I still think we, with the the way that, that the, the game is run now, the the, the players, if, he, if he's not going to say, I want a transfer request, the club have to then look at this and think, OK, well, if we've asked for X amount and they've offered Y amount and the difference isn't that much, if we turn it down and they've made it clear they're not coming back, what are we going to be left with? A financial deficit of what we really need to fill, that void needed to be filled because some of these teams are financially in trouble. We're not. But also they'll be left with an unhappy player who feels that his personal pathway to his career has been stopped by his paymasters. You know, so then it becomes fractious in that way for, for the, yeah. the club as well. So at the moment, as the window stays open, the, the selling club has all the cards with them. But day by day, as, as the clock ticks down, these cards get put on the table and then we could be holding the ace up here. Uh, and we've got what they want. And if, if we're talking about Madison, Leicester haven't started the season that well, but he has. You know, and then he could then say, look, I'm doing what I'm doing here. And I want to go to this World Cup. I want to be winning trophies. And I'm sorry, I don't think I can do that with Leicester anymore. So let's see what happens. Okay, Newcastle United take on Manchester City today at uh, St James's Park, 4.30 kick-off. The game is live on Sky. John Joe Shelby, of course, injured long-term. Matt Target has a fitness test. Ryan Fraser should be uh, available to play today. Emil Kraft still to be confirmed. As for Manchester City, Calvin Phillips uh, has returned to training after a minor injury. Sergio Gomez has travelled to Tyneside, so may feature. And uh, as for results, well, of course... Somebody's all has got to go using the boxing terminology. And uh, Pep Guardiola's side have won at West Ham 2 0 and beaten Bournemouth 4 0. So, uh, interesting time. The referee, Jared Ger uh, Gillette, uh, last time he was at St James's Park was April when Newcastle United uh, beat Leicester 2 1. VAR, which is often switched off, is controlled by Peter Banks today. Don't forget to check your train times uh, in and out of Newcastle because uh, there was a strike yesterday and there has been some revised. 
timetables. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, Supermac, Dog and Parrot today, 2.30 and 7pm. Free entry, kids are welcome. Okay, uh, just getting back to the old uh, predictions again. We did say 1-1 and uh, we were, uh, I think I went 2-2. Uh, Mitch, but Stu, we don't have your uh, prediction for today's game. And people in the chat early doors were saying, surely he's not going 3-1. I have done because if it doesn't happen, if it does happen and I haven't bet it, then I'll be distraught because of the, the odds given. But that's just my personal stupid bet for the last 30 years or something. Uh, prediction for today. Oh, it's it's tricky one to call, you know, because they, they, they could absolutely annihilate us or we could get some on them. But I think if I'm being realistic, I, I, I think we'll get beat 2 1 today. And. Even then, that shows a great advancement on last season and, and the season before. And I only, Mark Barty Byers there said 2-2. Two, two. I was going to say 2-0, no, but I said 2-1. So him and his uh, wife and daughter can see a go. That's why I said 2-1. But as long as we put the performance in, and I don't think anyone going there today, anyone watching today, will have any doubts about Newcastle United turning up and being up for it. It's just how they control that passion uh, and channel the energy in the, in the right way. And yes, it's live. Let the whole country see how good we've become and how, how great the fans are and everything else. And, and do the club proud, which I'm sure they will do. Yeah, I'm sure they will. Looking forward to it. Don't forget, George Mitchell's show. Those were the days. Six o'clock tomorrow. Not often he gets a Monday night. Um, I'm having a Monday night off. Uh, so get yourself onto uh, there. Give it a watch. And um, if you haven't watched it before, it is it is great to listen back to those days gone by. I'm going to let uh, the living dead, Mitch and Stu, get back to the boozer. Thanks for coming on, lads. Have a good day Over. and night. Speak to you soon. Take care.